Welcome to the Ignition Point, where every day Clayton Bradley Academy works with students to build problem solving, critical thinking, collaborating, and using of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. Today's podcast is with Dr. Bill Daggett. Dr. Daggett is a nationally and internationally known authority in education, and we're going to join this podcast with an interview with Dr. Bill Daggett to talk about what he sees happening in the realm of education, conceptual learning, and many of the things that connect with what Clayton Bradley Academy is doing. We'd like to welcome to the podcast today, Dr. Bill Daggett, and uh, thank you so much for joining us and, and being willing to talk about what you're seeing in education. So I guess, why don't you start with a little bit of background of, of kind of who you are for those that are listening, and, and then we'll jump into what you're seeing in education. Okay, uh, thanks, Kendall. Kendall, I've been uh, in education for a long, long time. Probably Kendall longer than you've been alive. <laughs> uh, I, I began as a classroom teacher, became an administrator, became a, a director of the New York State Education Department. But then 30 years ago, uh, I left to start a group called the International Center for Leadership and Education and uh, a not-for-profit connected to it called Successful Practices Network. And what those organizations attempted to do was to find the nation's most rapidly improving schools and then simply share those best practices across the country. And it's an organization that has grown into the largest consulting group in the country. Uh, we have an annual conference, Kendall, as you know, uh, called Model Schools and now the National Summit where we get thousands of people just coming in to say, what are these schools doing differently yeah. than the rest of our schools? And uh, overly simplistic, Kendall, what they're doing is what you're doing at your academy. I, I mean, it's much more hands-on, it's much more applied. Uh, I, most schools became so focused on just the academic rigor, but you can't get the academic rigor if you don't have a relevant instructional program. <laughs> and you can't get to a relevant instructional program and let you know the kids really well and the dynamics around them. And so I became kind of the key spokesperson on something called rigor, relevance, and relationships. Yeah, but I believe it starts in the opposite direction. It starts <laughs> with relationships that you can figure out which relevant to the kid that fully engages them to get them the uh, rigor. And so that's you know in a ninety second overview of what I learned in thirty years. That's that's really uh, in line with what we have done with the podcast. We spent really the first, uh, I'd say. 15 episodes just talking about relationships, the importance of our teachers building relationships with the students, the students learning how to build relationships with each other, and then the power that can come from that. And sometimes that's forgotten education. We, we focus so much on the standards that need to be learned, on the tests that kids are taking, on you know the, the kind of goal for where they're heading, and we forget that the relationship that can be established right from the beginning in the classroom from day one can make that happen at such a deeper level in the classroom, in the kid's life, um, 
if you can establish that relationship. And, and so many times in education, we jump right into all the things that we need to learn instead of just working on building that relationship. And so that's one of the things we do try to do at CBA is to say, hey, there's an importance here, number one, of building positive relationships, teaching kids how to build those relationships, um, because that's a skill set that that people forget as they enter out into the world. You have to you have to build relationships. You have to know some things to do to build those relationships. Otherwise, who's listening to you? Um, and so I love to hear you talk about that. I've, I've done a lot of of reading about your rigor, relevance, and relationship. We, we've used those rubrics that you guys have developed um, in a lot of our instruction and, and a lot of what we've been building here at CBA. And so it's really good to hear that. Um, I've also been in a couple of your keynotes where you've talked about um, things that you're seeing in education, the role that technology is playing, but then looking at what you're, lo- what, what you're building right now with the Successful Practices Network of what, what should schools be doing? What, how, how should we be building the curriculum in the classroom, connecting it to the real world, conceptual learning that, that you've, you've been working on, the skills that you have been um, seeing pop up of, of this is what kids need to be able to do. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I, I know that's a whole keynote that I've, I've actually heard you speak for uh, a couple different hours now <laughs> and, and every time I learn something new, but just some of those things that you're seeing in education that you're seeing of this, this is what schools should be doing. Yeah. What they should be doing is taking a deep step back and recognize that an intent of school is not to get kids ready for the next grade, the next test, the next level of education, but to get them ready for the world beyond school. And so a lot of our work has been centered on some really major national research uh, of a national commission I chaired, uh, the research from McKinsey and Company, where they went out and surveyed 18,000 companies, small, medium, and large, across every industrial sector this past year, to identify what are the skills, knowledges, and attributes our kids will need to be successful in the world beyond school. And, And what they found was that core academic skills are still essential, but they're absolutely not adequate. And uh, that self-leadership skills are really, really important. And that interpersonal skills are really, really important. Now, why are those skills so important? Sounds overly simplistic, but because you can't write an algorithm for them. Mm. We're dealing in a world where artificial intelligence is exploding exponentially. Yeah. And artificial intelligence now has algorithms writing algorithms. (laughs) And so if you can break anything down that you can write in an algorithm, number one, employers aren't going to pay you to do it because the technology can do it faster, more efficiently. But, you know, Kendall, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it either if the technology can use it easier. You know, what is the iPhone replacing your life? Right. And if you can do it on the iPhone, you do it. Well, you can't do self-leadership on the iPhone. You can't do interpersonal skills. And so when I look at CBA and and I look at the initiatives you have these kids go through in these projects, 
it requires them to develop some of these self-leadership skills, which are perseverance and grit. It requires them to know how to interact with each other. Okay. Uh, it requires them to develop these skills you can't write an algorithm for. Well, still at the same time, anchoring your work in core academic skills. And so with the advancing technology, is that mix of skills of core academics, interpersonal skills, self-leadership skills, they're gonna make the students successful in the world beyond school. What happened in most of our public schools in the country is we got so wrapped up in the standards movement that uh, we, we began to think our only purpose was that which we could measure with a, a, a simple paper and pencil test. Yeah. And we doubled and tripled down on core academics at the expense of all the other skills. And so it's a matter of balance and how you bring them together. To do that, going back to what we said a few minutes ago, you got to engage the kids. And, and, and that's this relevance piece. But again, as we just said, you can't do that if you don't understand the kid. What's relevant to one kid is not relevant to the next. Right. And so it's that uh, the successful schools have figured out relationships, relevance, will get you to rigor. But it is a different set of skills for teachers. And that's really a key. Where do you find teachers that can do this? Because most of our teachers, most of our administrators in America liked school when they went to school. Yep. So they went to college to major in school. So that when they graduated from college, they could return to school to do to others what had been done to them. <laughs> Which was to focus on content rather than students. Mm. You, you need both. Yeah. So what would you suggest to, you know, you're an educator maybe out there listening to this and they're hearing this and they probably are thinking like, why why do I want to be a teacher? Well, it was because I enjoyed school. And, and I, I know that personally. I I when I was looking at education, I wanted to be a high school teacher because I really enjoyed high school. I mean, it, it's a quirky time and you're learning a lot of things and you're, there's a lot of stuff going on. But, but I, you know, I look back at my high school, I, I enjoyed a lot of the, the stuff that I was, I was a part of and, and the way that I learned. And, and, you know, so realizing that the world right now is different than what it was when I was in high school. And, you know, so I'm looking back to what I know, which is, what I experienced in high school, maybe what I was taught when I was in college as far as education, but I've got to get kids now ready for a world that isn't anything like that. You know, I, I, I'm, I don't consider myself to be really old, but you know, my friends didn't have cell phones. We had, at, at best we had a pager, you know, so we're now entering a world, like you said, the iPhone, like they can search for anything that, any fact-based thing that that's finger click away or even a, a just a voice into Siri you know my my sixth grader she she goes to Siri way more than she goes to typing anymore you know um, it's all voice stuff so you're a you know setting here maybe you're getting ready to be a, a teacher you're coming out of college or maybe you've been in education you see some of the downfalls 
what what have you guys discovered in working with teachers? What what do they need to do? Uh, first of all, you know the the change might seem subtle when you first think about it. When I say focus more on students than content, uh, focus on relationships, relevance that get you to rigor. It really takes you into deep project based learning but project-based learning in teams. And to somebody who has spent their life in an education system that is not that, Mm. it is very, very hard to visualize. So one of the things I suggest is they need to come to places like CBA just to see it. You've seen me play a video of your two uh, young ladies who were uh, in their freshman year had created the uh, artificial arm for uh, the, yeah. the very young student. Seeing that is an eye opener for people mm. because that doesn't look like a normal classroom. <laughs> right. That doesn't look like the normal experience they had as kids or that they had in their university experience or in the school they're now working. And so, we work hard with a successful practices network to try to tease out these best practices and say, seeing is believing. Yeah. Um, you, you, you might have seen me, uh, or Ray McNulty, who works with me, use this little simple illustration where I, we put up a Roman numeral. Yeah. X. Roman numeral IX is the number four, right? IX and say to people, and I just did this twice this week. I keynoted the Montana School Superintendents Convention earlier in the week. And then in the middle of the week, I keynoted the Colorado School Superintendents Conference. In both cases, I put up on the screen IX and said to people, you get just one line with one line, make IX a six and I stop and let them do it. I give them a minute. Uh, in, in Montana, one person figured it out in Colorado, four people did. This is out of hundreds of superintendents. Yeah. You know how you make IX a six with only one line? Well, the only way I can figure it out would be to put an S at the front of it. And you're exactly right, because you've probably seen me do it, right? And it's, it was like, well, of course. But people can't figure it out. Why? Because they have such channel vision. Mm. They're thinking Roman numeral. Right. And they're trying to do it via a Roman numeral, okay? Rather than the English language. Well, that's the same thing with school reform. And, and Kendall, that's why people need to see the different approach. Once they see it, it was like, whoa, but of course, how <laughs> stupid was I? <laughs> what you're doing at CBA is so different than a traditional comprehensive high school or a middle school or an elementary school. But if you've never seen it, you can't imagine it. Yeah. And so you, the first thing we got to do is help people imagine what it could be like. 
Well, and that's one of the things that we talk about here is that we reimagine education. And, and I talk about that with our educators, especially when they're coming in, of that phrase, reimagining education, sounds great. You know, people can get behind that kind of thing of, yeah, let's do it. But when you get into the, the weeds of, let's reimagine how we're going to do this, uh, the challenge really comes up because it's hard to get outside of just this thinking of what I know to be education or what I know to be my content um, or what I know to be school and to think outside of that and go, how can we, how can we make this real? How can we make this, you know, engaging and, and relevant to a 16 year old? You know, what I think of as relevant to, to me as an adult, Ha, maybe has no relevance at all to a 16 year old. Uh, yeah. You know, we talk about, I, I asked my kids one day, they, they were, we, we were uh, talking about a phone and they didn't have a phone in their hands, you know, and I said, you know, a lot of times people will put their hand up to their face with their, their thumb as the ear and their pinky as the, as the, the place where your mouth is to talk. And I asked my kids, I said, if, why, why would you do that? And, they had a hard time answering that question because they've never used a phone like that. Yeah. You know, the phone has just been this rectangle that they've held in their hand and it's still that relevance. Like to me, I know why I would do that. I, I've used those phones. You know, I've been attached to the kitchen wall. Uh, <laughs> my kids have never been attached to the kitchen wall in any way whatsoever with a phone. Uh, you know, it's always just been this, this square piece. It's like to hang up on somebody, you don't actually put anything down. You push a button, you know? Um, and yeah. so the relevance there, that's the same in education. Like, how are we going to be relevant? How are we going to really reimagine it and think about where are our kids at right now in the world? Because that's where we've got to hit them at. And then how are we going to get them to a world that I can't even describe because technology is changing it exponentially? Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in a way, what schools used to do is try to teach kids um, to know what they should be doing. We have to teach kids to know what to do when they don't know what to do. Yeah. Because the world is changing so fastly, you're fast, you're right. We, we really don't know what they're going to have to do three years, five years, ten years from now. So we have to teach them to know what to do when they don't know what to do. And it's not something you typically teach in a curriculum. Yeah. We were talking about that with our faculty um, actually just this Wednesday. Our math instructor for the high school, Dr. Bruce, was leading a, a discussion about problem solving and said, how many times do we really do problem solving in a classroom? Because if you go back to what the definition of problem solving is, it's exactly what you just said. It's, it's figuring out what to do when you don't know what to do. How many times do we give a, a project like that to our kids? Well, most of the time as teachers, you're giving a project to kids where you kind of know the answer. You know kind of what, what should be the result. And she was talking about the power of doing activities with kids where you don't know um, the what what they're going to come up with and you don't know maybe how they're going to answer it and that's that teaching and that learning is so powerful to kids she, she had accidentally well kind of accidentally but kind of on purpose given a problem to kids in her class and and she saw the struggle that was happening she saw where they were going and it just became a you know it was like an every answer they were getting was another problem another problem and she quickly did some searching 
And it ended up being a problem that in mathematics, they still haven't figured out how to solve. And it was a great discussion with the kids of like, why did this just seem to continue to go? Which because this is a problem in mathematics that no one has figured out how to solve yet. And the fact that there is mathematic problems that people don't know how to solve right now, those are out there. That, that learning we don't do in, in school very often. We don't tell kids there's math problems that nobody has figured out how to solve yet. Yeah. Um, and, and Kendall, when you think about that and you think about the changing role of what a teacher did in the past versus what we're saying they now have to do, it is the teacher was responsible. And, and the state standards and the state test has doubled and tripled down on this in so many of our schools, the teacher disseminated knowledge, content information. It was, I, I, I'm a teacher, I push it out to my kids and they yep. need to absorb it. And that was the role. What we're now saying is, no, your role is to facilitate learning, mm. not to disseminate knowledge and content. And the strategies you use to do that are fundamentally different yeah and 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 so many of our educators came into the system as we said a few minutes ago because i liked what the system was it's very very hard for some of them to make that transition i'm sure you find at cba there are some people you interview you just say Geez, they got their, they got the teaching license. I just don't think they can make it here. Yeah, <laughs> it's, well, a, it's a different mindset, set of skills. And we talk about that of of there are great teachers that would not be great at CBA, and that's okay. There, there's a lot of systems that they would go on and be great in, um, but in this system, it takes a different set of skills to really be great and to figure this out. Um, and that is it. That's a tough conversation sometimes to have with people. Of this, yeah. Is... And, yeah. And let me talk to parents for a minute about this. Yeah. The kids who historically did really well in school and well on the test go on to higher ed, do the same. Yep. Increasingly are experiencing less less success in the world beyond school. See, it's not just the teacher that has changed. There are kids who like that old system and thrived in that old system, but they can't thrive in the world outside of school so well now. Mm. And so the correlation between completing a four-year college degree and success in the world beyond school with each passing year is becoming less and less. And, I, and nobody wants to hear that. Right, and I think that's very important for um, the people that might be listening to this podcast, parents and that sort of thing too, of understanding that. Because like I said, I go back to my mindset of the thing that got me to where I am right now was part of that college education. You know, getting, I, I grew up in, in Southern West Virginia in, in the coal fields and and college was one of the things that was able to get me uh, to to have experiences outside of those coal fields and have an experience outside of, of where I was growing up. 
and so for a lot of our parents, they see, you know, they're successful and they're successful. I think they would look back to partly because of, you know, they were able to go to college and be successful in college. And I'm seeing that on reports and I'm seeing that in, in journals and stuff too, of that correlation between get the college education and success in the world is not as clear as, as maybe it was in the past. Yeah. Now, I say that, I'm not trying to say college is a bad thing because it's not. Right. But the number one message to parents and the kids, loud and clear, is what you major in matters a lot. Mm. And so if you're in the right major, where you're learning very rigorous but applied skills, that's a good major. But... What we've got is increasingly kids taking general studies, uh, sociology, you, you're down a long list. And, and what we're finding is uh, they can't even begin to make their college loan payments yeah. uh, with the jobs they can get with that set of skills. Yet a kid that might have gone to a, a two-year technical college or got a one-year um, certificate in, in a in an area where they had to apply rigorous academic skills, but apply them. Uh, they're doing very, very well. And they will because they've learned what to do and they don't know what to do. Yeah. If you can, if you know what to do, the algorithm will do it for you and technology can do it faster, more efficiently than a human being. That's the reality of 2022. Yeah. Well, man, that that discussion is a great one for this podcast. Thank you so much for taking time. I don't want to. I know your time is valuable. You're joining me through uh, Zoom, which is the 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 world that we've all grown to to learn how to do uh, more and more in the last couple of years. Um, and I appreciate your time. I appreciate the discussion. Um, you know, there there may be a point where I reach out to you to say, "Hey, can we uh, further this discussion with another podcast?" and and see where it goes from there. Thank you so much for that, though. Understanding the the importance of problem solving, being able to really figure out how to, to as you said, know what to do when you don't know what to do. Um, a skill that that is so hard to teach, but so important in the world that we're growing up in. So thank you so much for joining uh, me on today's podcast. Thanks, Kendall. And Kendall, thank you for what you and your colleagues are doing for the kids in your uh, academy. Great job. Thanks. This has been The Ignition Point, where every day we work with students to help develop problem solving, critical thinking, collaboration, and using of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. If you would like to know more about CBA, you can visit us on our website, claytonbradleyacademy.org. You can schedule a visit. We have training series that you can come and see what we do, learn more about what we do. Um, and as Dr. Daggett was saying, learn how we implement that strategy of, of helping kids learn what to do when there's not a clear answer of what to do. That problem solving that happens is pretty amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we hope that you have a wonderful day.